Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. This month, we're using Rosamond and Benjamin Zander's book, The Art of Possibility, for uh, part of our inspiration. And their thesis, I think, is perhaps simple in its concept, and we'll be finding out uh, if it's also simple in, in how we can put it into our, our daily lives, perhaps some more today. But I wanted to do a quick catch-up for folks who couldn't be here last week. Last week, we went over their main thesis, and their main thesis is that oftentimes we put ourselves into a world of probability instead of a world of possibility. And so in the world of probability, we're most likely to experience what we've already experienced. In the world of probability, if the doctor says that you're sick, you can probably expect the illness to follow certain courses and certain outcomes, and they might give you percentages of recovery rates, and oh well, I guess that's what's going to happen to me. That's what's probable. In the world of possibility thinking, however, we recognize that the universe is infinite. And so not only are there good outcomes to be had for every situation, in an infinite universe, there are an infinite number of positive outcomes for any situation. So it isn't just going along with what someone tells you. It isn't just going along with what life has seemingly dished up for you before. The universe in its, in its just beauty and perfection is infinite, allowing for infinite possibilities. So infinite possibilities for relationship, infinite possibilities for, for love, for, for uh, success, for joy, for beauty, anything that could be in our heart's desire. Not only is it possible, but it's infinitely possible. There are an infinite number of choices that can bring it to you, an infinite number of paths. Now, the bad news part of the story last week is that we tend to be blindsided by what may be right in front of us, blindsided by the probabilities. When someone tells us, you know, you've been diagnosed with condition X and here's what you should expect, we expect it. We don't look for the alternatives. We don't look beyond that expectation. When a, when a boss at work tells you, well, you know, in this particular career, here's what the salary ranges are and here's what you can expect, and, and we buy into it. We don't recognize that the universe is infinite. In fact, I think I could summarize this even better with today's joke. <laughs> Believe it or not, a joke can even be a summary. So four young men sit by the bedside of their dying father. The old man, with his last breath, tell them, tells them that there is a huge fortune buried out on the family farm. The sons crowd around him crying, where, where? But it's too late. Indeed, the gentleman has spoken his dying words. Well, the day after the funeral, two of the sons hitch up the horse and begin plowing the fields. They're going to find the fortune buried in the fields. And, and, all, and they work all that week pretty steadily. It's a big place, but they manage, at least on the surface, to scratch through much of the earth, finding nothing. 
Now, the other two sons have turned into city boys, but they have an idea of their own. They hire a, a contractor with some larger earth-moving equipment, and, and to a depth of two feet, they plow that entire acreage with, like, a tractor contraption that has a metal detector on the front of it, and, and like, you know, the no-stone-unturned method. And, oh, my gosh, but a month later, the four sons over breakfast are giving up. Nothing to be found. The next season, the farm has its best harvest ever. <laughs> Enough food to feed the entire town. I'm going to start today by telling a, an orchestra story. The uh, author of the book, one of the authors of the book, uh, Benjamin Zander, uh, actually teaches uh, uh, orchestral arts at a prestigious college back east, the leader of a number of uh, well-known orchestras, and it is his great honor and privilege to teach people who've come from all over the world already pretty well skilled in whatever instrument they play. I mean, these are young people, teenagers and people in their 20s that have been literally playing musical instruments all their lives, probably millions of years of collective practice time under their belts. Here they are at university. The university grades on the curve. So all of these well-talented young men and women, right? A third of them are going to get an A, a third of them are going to get a B, roughly a third of them will get a C, and one or two of them will not pass because of attendance issues or, you know, or something like that. Well, I got to tell you, these are all young people that want to make their way in the world of music. And so there's a fair amount of competition between this. And the, the people in particular who are maybe younger and haven't had as much practice or, or as natural skills, they're eyeing the people with, uh, with better skills and trying to mimic them. The people who maybe who've been a couple more years in the orchestra and are feeling more confident about their skills, they're trying to stay on on top of things. They're equally nervous about these young people. Like, is the first violin going to be taken over by a young Fred here who seems like a little bit of a virtuoso? So the whole orchestra, Xander notices, is doing what? They're actually missing the beauty of the music because they're worried about their performance, how it will measure up to other people. Well, with some effort and working with administration, he came up with an idea. And I got to tell you, the dean of his school was reluctant to do this. But one fall term, he announced to the class, you're all starting out with an A. All of you, all several hundred of you are starting out with an A. There is one stipulation. In order to get your A, you have to write me a several-page essay explaining why, at the end of this semester, why you have the qualifications, the expertise, the practice, and the verve to be an A student. Now think about this for a minute. The heat's off in some ways, right? 
These are now people who are free to really feel the music. The, the people who maybe were worried about one set of their skills can really plunge in and even take risks instead of just trying the mimicking the fingerings of some of the, the people who are doing better. They can actually experiment a bit. Maybe it's a completely different style of fingering they ought to use. Maybe it's a, a completely different way of playing the instrument that, that they should try and discover that that's their way of making it in the world. Once the heat is off, once the pressure is off, the people at the top of their game, they're not worried about the younger people somehow surpassing them. They're suddenly willing to be tutors and mentors of the younger people because everyone gets an A. And what Xander discovered is by the end of that semester, there was not a person in there that he would not have given an A to. And the orchestra was lifted to new heights of interpretation. They were actually taking the time and, and, and feeling the music to an extent that made it a delight to listen to, not just an exercise in getting better at learning how to play, uh, play an instrument and work in an orchestra. So today, as your orchestra leader, such as I am, I would like to give you all an A. We are playing in the orchestra of life, and you now have earned your A. And I would like to roughly give you the same assignment that he gave his students. I would like you to think about, perhaps this week you can think of this as your homework. I know some of you like doing the homework here, some not. But think about this potentially as some homework. Write yourself a letter explaining why, at, say, the end of this year or maybe the end of next year, life is giving you an A. So it might be expressing some of your fondest uh, your fondest ideas of something you'd like to try new and, right, because you already have an A in it, the pressure's off. Now, what do you think I mean by saying the pressure's off in the real world as opposed to the orchestra? The pressure's off in that you don't have to be the best employee where you work measured to some strange arbitrary scale. You don't have to fit into a dress size six to be beautiful. You don't have to have some level of perfection in how your yard looks in order to be satisfied and, and think it's beautiful. You do not have to conform to maybe what others on your block do in terms of how your house is situated. You don't have to think about, well, someone in my part of town ought to have this kind of a car. All of the pressure is off you because you already have an A in life. And in the same way, this freed up his students to begin experimenting a bit, maybe doing things that they were worried they wouldn't be very good at, maybe new ways of doing some of the same things that you already do or some of the things that you aspire to. The pressure's off because you are already an A student. You can relax. You can try new things. You can try new ways of being. My hope is at the end of this year or the end of next year, right, you will have eased into that letter that you have written to yourself explaining just exactly how fabulous you are. 
that you are a leader in your community or the best mom ever or or uh, or a thriving business now now the other way that the uh, the Xanders talk about this too is the difference between the success game and the contribution game and so I want to talk about that a little bit too because so many of us are playing the success game and we allow ourselves to be measured by what society in general would say is successful so earning a certain amount of money uh, if you're not you're not successful having a certain kind of family arrangement that is uh, perhaps typical uh, well you're just not successful if you don't look a certain way not so much if you don't behave certain ways, probably not America's idea of success. Do you see how it works? When we measure ourselves against one another, and in particular, even worse, when we measure ourselves about some of the outrageous examples out in, out in the world, right? And they're there, aren't they? TV is full of examples of what the perfect family looks like, the, the perfect uh, business person looks like, right? You know, are, am I really to measure myself against Bill Gates? Am I really to measure myself against the barefoot contest? I'm a cook, so I, I, I kind of like her, but have you noticed the effortlessness with which she turns things out? And I, I'm suspicious she has a team of people in the back room that actually do much of that cooking for her. You know, while she's barefoot, they're busy. We measure ourselves against all kinds of outrageous standards. And what happens? We come up short. We're afraid to take risks. You now have already earned your A. Let us relax into it and into what the Xanders would call the game of contribution. Instead of making decisions based on whether this would make me more successful in the world, rather than making decisions based on whether this will allow me to, you know, do better than so-and-so or approach the goal of somebody else, simply ask the question, would this decision allow me to contribute more to life? And I want to use an example. Um, uh, Sarah Franson came up earlier and taught, oh, I know, she's blushing already. <laughs> gotcha. No. <laughs> she's uh, uh, presented a little bit about how our AIDS walk turned out. And, and this is a lovely example of contribution mentality. Now, the AIDS walk itself, for those of you who went, they have different criterias of whether you're a winner or not. Like, if you had, I think it was $25, if you raised $25, you got a t-shirt. If you raised $50, you got a tote bag. If you raised, I, I can't, she could probably tell you all the different categories. But you know what? She did not even mention those to us because we were already A students at the AIDS walk. We showed up. We were contributing right? The idea was a group of people contributing to a cause that is very important to this particular community. And the importance of it was contribution. And not in some dollar amount or not some corporate idea of what success would look like, but rather the whole idea of us working as a team in beauty and in joy and coming together for something that was supported. We all had a wonderful time. And yeah, did people get 
get prizes for different levels of contribution? Well, yeah, they did. And so what? Right? We were stellar. We were standouts. We coupled up with the New Thought Center for Spiritual Living, as uh, as Sarah mentioned, and we raised over $1,500. In fact, I think we're actually neck and neck to win the most contributions by a faith-based organization. Now, now that's compared to some of the largest churches in town. We may have won a pizza party. I don't know. Whereas she said, well, okay, so, you know, sometimes the prizes are, yeah, and is it gluten-free? I don't know, but we'll, we'll you know, we'll find out. But, but do you see, do you see the difference between working in the world of success and measurements and working in the world of contribution. And so that would be my wish for all of us. And in fact, I'm going to pray about it in a minute. But my, my desire would be that each person here feels like a contribution to their family, to their neighborhood, to their life. That we began making decisions, not just on whether I personally am more somehow glorified by a fancier car, but rather, are the decisions I'm making on this day really glorifying the whole planet? Am I making decisions that uplift the people around me, my family, uh, my neighborhood, the, the people in the city? Do I, do I stand for something or am I just standing for myself? Am I just standing for some idea of, uh, of power or money or something like that? So again, the homework is you've given yourself an A, I'd like to have you look at where you might be shortchanging yourself, where maybe on the back burner you have put an idea of something that you've wanted to try or to do all your life and felt you just wouldn't measure up to it, so why bother? So maybe a little bit of journaling, a little bit of talking about how we can exit part of this game, if you will, of, uh, of success and instead enter the game of contribution. And who knows, you might get a pizza party out of it. The, the, you know, the thing about the game of contribution is because you are making a contribution, which essentially is just you, you're showing up as you, and that is the contribution, your joy, your love, your, your interest, your intelligence, the, the gift that only you in your own unique way can give, and you may not have a very firm idea of the fruits of that, Right? See, that's the thing about when we give our gift, it goes out in ripples out into the world that can't be measured in terms of dollars and cents or, or new cars. The things that you give in life are given and re-given and re-given and the smile you give to someone is given to someone else and so on. The, the gifts of, uh, of joy, of peace, the, the small and, and not so small gifts of time, talent and treasure that we give to our families this is not just a one-time thing. These are the gifts that are spread out into the world, causing the entire universe to be lifted up. And it doesn't happen when we're doing what we do just to get ahead. Instead of getting ahead, we can get creative. We can begin enjoying the possibilities of the universe and truly make a difference. And when we make a difference in the world, when we are a contributor, 
even in the smallest ways, the universe is here to bless us. That is why so many of the philanthropists of the world do not have to worry about where their next meal comes from. I mean, even people who have taken vows of poverty and things like that, when they are a, a full contributor, all their needs are met. It's the way, it's the, way the universe creates the way we are I don't know if you want to call it rewarded or, or supported probably is a better word. How those contributions come back to us is our intention of making a contribution. Okay, I think I blathered on probably enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a, uh, a quote from uh, Xander's book today on this idea of the, the contribution mentality. He says, naming oneself and others as a contribution to the world produces a shift away from self-concern and ego. It engages us in a relationship with others that is suddenly an arena for really making a difference. Rewards in the contribution game are of a deep and enduring kind. You will never know how far they will reach, how powerfully they will be given, or for whence they will come. Let us pray. There is one power, one life, one goodness, one joy, one love. It is this thing called God, and I, I know that it's present everywhere. It is that infinite possibility that, that exists for, for everyone, for all time. And I claim it. I claim it for myself. I claim it for the people in this room. Each of us has that ability to see the world in its potential, not to just go with what's likely to happen, not just to go with the, the averages, not just to, to go with what someone else said or someone else's way of measuring life, but to simply look inwardly and claim your life powerfully. Claim the possibilities. Know that you can choose and choose again, that you can take risks because you're already an A student in this game of life, in this, this thing that we call the universe. You already have an A. You're awesome. Your ability to do and to be can never be diminished by anyone else, by any system of measurement. You, uniquely you, have that power. And for this, I'm simply grateful. I'm grateful for the power and presence of God as it takes the form of the people in this room and their aspirations, their new choices based on that infinite possibility of all things. And in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, 
You are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.